What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Never Made Varsity. My name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. What's up, y'all? My name is Dave Rivera. You know where to find me. And same, it's your boy Mav, heartbreak, double underscore kid. Same and same. You can also be found at heartbreak. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's my burner account. That's your burner <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, Significant things have happened in the uh, North Carolina basketball universe, uh, men's basketball universe, and we're going to chat about them first. uh, Saturday night was fun. Fun's one way to describe it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's one word you can use for it. (laughs) I was Um, calm for about the first two minutes, and then the panic set in, and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, for our new listeners, um, and then also those under a rock, you know, in case you didn't know, for the first time in NCAA tournament history, the North Carolina Tar Heels played against the Duke Blue Devils in the tournament, and not just the tournament, the Final Four, um, for a chance to go to the national championship in Coach Mike Shashevsky's last season at Duke, and a particularly contentious and feisty era of the rivalry between the Tar Heels and the Duke Blue Devils. Contentious and feisty year. Yeah. So there was a lot going on this game, and there was an entire week-long buildup. I start, I, Monday and Tuesday, I was lo- watching content, you know, just priming myself. And then I was like, nope, I got to stop this because I just it was getting toxic. Everybody was picking Duke and just trashing us. And I was like, well, it's to be expected, but I got to stop listening to this. Um, and, you know, I usually am the one to play like the, the reverse psychology card. Just like, yep, we're going to lose. Blah, blah, blah. We'll just, we lose. We're going to lose. Um, but once we got to Saturday, I was like, you know what? Screw it. We're in the final four in, in an improbable run. Um, you know, we've already t- discussed this. We beat the defending national champion in Baylor. We had a Final Four team last year in UCLA. We defeated the no- the biggest Cinderella team of all time in, in St. Peter's to make the Final Four. And here we are playing our arch rival against Duke. And I'm like, no one expected us to be here. And so we might as well just believe ourselves at this point. And we came out looking for a fight. We came out looking for a freaking fight. My, I really spent, I don't know, maybe I was talking myself into it, but literally from that, from after the St. Peter's game on and then like through the last podcast, I was like, ain't nothing to do, but to do it. So might as well go out and do it for me. I don't know. It was, but that's my attitude wasn't like belief that we would or wouldn't win just that it's we have to do it finally on saturday i started feeling like hey we can do we can do this and i started actually believing a little bit that that it was a possibility um david how are you feeling leading up to the game how was your week you know i think i i put it in the chat where like the whole week, my focus was elsewhere. So in a, in a way, I had a distraction. 
And then the day of the panic hit, like, I feel like the week's work of panic hit all on Saturday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, I'm going to ignore this. And then as soon as the game, as soon as I saw them line up for the tip off, I was like, oh no, this is really happening. Isn't it? <laughs> like, it, it, And that's, and that's kind of what happened. And I was like, I went, I feel like I went through all five stages of grief in like the first like 10 minutes. Like I was like, if we just win, I promise I'll do whatever you want, God. Just like, and then it was like, okay, well, if we lose, like, you know, here's what I'll, here's my response, you know, it won't be that bad. And then it was like, I went through all five stages uh, uh, in the course of like maybe the first 10 minutes. And then I like settled down. And, um, but I don't think I sat down like, Laura could probably tell you, like, I was like, my phone was on like 10% battery and our internet went out. So I had to use my phone as a mobile hotspot for YouTube TV on my PS4 to watch the game. So sometimes it would go to like potato quality. And I was like, did that go in? It did go in. Okay, great. <laughs> it was, it was a time. It was a time. Aaron, how was your, uh, how was your weekend walking experience? Um, Monday, I was in really bad shape. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was okay. I almost, uh, I wanted to go to New Orleans, but that was too expensive. Then I almost went to Chapel Hill. And then my cousin convinced me that if we lost that, yeah, it would be awesome if we won and I was in Chapel Hill. But if we lost and I was there, it would probably be the worst night of my life, which is probably an accurate assessment especially if i had taken a red eye and traveled across the country to be there um and then i almost went to vegas and i decided it was the same assessment even though it was just vegas um and so i ended up watching it at home alone as i naturally do for most big games which i think is the supreme way of watching if you're not in the arena um and yeah, I turned off my phone. I Well, I put my phone on silent. I completely isolated myself, which I felt was optimal for the stakes of the game. Um, also, my biggest thing that I noticed, and it was probably magnified by my stress, right before the tip, how they did the little thing with the camera where they spun it around, I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? Because of how wide the shot was from inside the scoreboard i don't know if y'all noticed that same thing i don't even know if i saw that do you know what i'm talking about though they did it again during the championship game but it wasn't nearly as wide yes i know what you're talking about i was i feel like they do it a lot for big games but it was like eight million times further out than it normally starts and so it looked like it was like from you were looking at a globe from very far away. I have a question. Do y'all also do the thing where before a big game, the entire week preceding, you just walk around the house mumbling to yourself, gotta win? No. no. Don't <laughs> quite do that me? one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> but no. Um, I, I, too, I, had, I was like, I could have went to the Dean Dome to go watch it or find a place with friends. I was like, for this game, sorry, there was just too much emotionally that was going into it. Um, win or lose. I was like, 
I need to be by myself to process my emotions. Uh, and so I just stayed at my place, watched it. Similar deal, because we always kind of check in with each other, maybe give give our, our quick observations and thoughts. I was like, I'm, if, if especially if it starts going bad, I was like, I don't want to look at it. I just want to ride through, get this game over with. Um, yeah, there was just a lot going into this. Now, speaking of the actual game, I feel like this game went very similarly to how the game in Cameron went, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say relatively similar. We we kind of maybe landed the first couple punches. They responded, went up a little bit. We bridged it at a brief deficit at half. Um, catch up with them. Well, not even that. We, um, we go on the 11-0 run to take the lead back and then kind of start going back and forth, you know, them catching for taking a little bit of lead. We respond, take a little bit of lead. And then the gap just closes and closes really until we get to the, that final three minutes. Um, and that final three minutes was a masterclass, I would say in just college basketball, March madness overall, just from a, a, a person outside of the rivalry's perspective. Just absolutely entertaining basketball. I don't know if you could ask for a much better um, last two or three minutes of basketball from from college kids <laughs> than that in the ending of that game. It was just a really high level game overall. Just a lot of really nice shot making, um, pretty back and forth, high paced. The refs for the most part stayed out of the way. Now, Duke fans probably wouldn't say that because we, we, we did get Mark Williams in foul trouble relatively early, which we, we talked about this last week. I think Mark Williams was a big factor, um, being able to get him in foul trouble so that Armando could operate more. Um, but also Armando was in fouls. I think the split, it was 19 fouls to 18 fouls. Well, they called the first five fouls on Duke, and then I think they literally called the next five fouls on Carolina. So I at just, that point, I, I hate was like, that okay, it's like that. Well. I wish you would go one for one, but that's not how it always works necessarily. But it's it's more or less they call them to be like, oh, we've called so many fouls against this team. Let's start restricting this team just to even the score when I wish they would just call it as it happens and be more consistent. Yeah. Calls. Just call it better. Um, I will no. say though, one quick note, we're going to, I'm sure we're going to get into the, the nitty gritty. I thought we played amazing free throw defense on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. We played right. one of the best free throw defense games I've ever seen. I mean, Duke, I mean, Duke couldn't hit one. The band I mean, probably had some really epic chance. I'm going to, I'm going to credit that one to the band. So, you know, Again, I don't remember the free throw split. All I know is I believe Duke went 12 for 20 on free throws. We went 17 for 24. But yeah, they went. There were, it was 19, 18 on foul. So it was pretty even. And perhaps the two biggest free throws, in my opinion, for us is Puffs, um, where we were yeah. down two. And he's, he made them both to put us back within the top. Or put Knocked them down. Again. So hesitation. Um, yeah, Mondo definitely missed a couple. Brady missed a couple, but I think Huff really showed some composure in that moment, and that kept us in the game. Um, 
I thought I was really nervous from the beginning because Duke was being extremely aggressive. They were getting dunks. That for Mark Williams got a dunk on the very mm-hmm, first play. Mm-hmm. Paolo got several driving dunks. Uh, I was like, they are getting to the rim at will. And Paolo was bullying Brady Manic on dry on on these post touches. It was like until was, he wasn't. Until he wasn't. <laughs> until he and I I don't understand. I don't know if y'all listened to um Monday's episode of the Right Time. Um, but Pomani said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, I don't know how Paolo's going to be um, going to be a great NBA player if he can't get easy buckets against Brady Manic. <laughs> because he had to fight for every single bucket that he got over him. They weren't coming as easily as they quote unquote should have. Yeah. Well, and there's um, the other thing. It's like, I just don't understand what Duke's game plan was at the end of the game because it felt like it was Mark Williams and Trevor Keels towards the end. And Paolo was just like, I'm over here. I'm good with that. Like I, they did not throw it to their best player or their best player was being passive. You know, I thought if you want to get a bucket, you give it to your best player. Like, I don't know. I, I, I didn't understand the, the, the philosophy. And another yeah, thing to what you've always said, too, is that Leakey did, once again, a very good job of pr- practically shutting down A.J. Griffin. Yeah. Never got uh, into a rhythm. something else that I noticed. That was the thing. I told, like, I said it since before the first Carolina-Duke game. I was like, A.J. Griffin is the guy. I feel like every time Duke wins big, is he, it's it's A.J. Griffin torching him. You know, and, and the first game, we got torched by A.J. Griffin because for some reason we decided to put uh, uh, Armando Baycott on Paolo Banquero, which was a terrible idea, and we all agree. But we uh, grow and we learn. We grow, <laughs> grow. Um, and and then you get to where you know Leaky is on on AJ, and and everything else has to move without AJ Griffin not making shots because I, I don't know what the final split was, but like AJ Griffin was a non-factor basically in in the the two games, the two latter games in the series. Which this is game, AJ Griffin was one for seven, and and also Jeremy Roach was a non-factor, and he was the story of the tournament for Duke. Non-factor. I think um, there's somewhere that um, Leaky has hit two more threes than AJ, or yeah, than AJ Griffin, uh, the second Duke game forward. <laughs> hmm. I mean, he I, had I, two threes I, that game. His our first bucket was Leaky shooting a three, and they hit one head on uh, that went in. I mean, those were very important buckets, big timely buckets. And I tried to tell y'all, the royal y'all, not y'all. I, I tried swear, to tell y'all. I swear, if Leaky gets a shot, he's go. He would go to the league. His defense is so important, so important. But that so. man had a shot. He would be going to the league. Oh Listen, yeah, if he could pull like some kind of morale if he could just go to a summer like a like a camp like get him if he could do do what caleb love did to his shot right if he could just get an invite and just spend some extended time on his jumper he he can handle the ball pretty well he is an elite defender be a three and d guy those are like prime in the nba three and d guy you've already proven you can guard one through four sometimes five (laughs) like I mean, yeah. yeah, that's someone who plays in the NBA for years and years and years as long as they want to play. Because I mean, you Tony always Allen has played in 
survive in sorry i got a survivor notification i read that as i was talking tony allen has played in the nba for fucking ever and he is a black hole on offense when he's on the court it's four on five offensively and he's a top tier defender is andre roberson still in the league i don't know but he's another one exactly so i mean then we get down to the final three minutes um where it was literally trading three-point basket. Yeah, I think that was – I mean, I think this was debatably the best college basketball game ever, but I think that was probably the best last three minutes ever. Um, a Brady hits, and then was it heels or roach that goes down, and then Brady did it again on the baseline, I believe. Then Wendell Moore hits it to go up one. Um, also, the clutch of Brady to have that – heels not go down that would have yeah. been out of bounds that True, was because unbelievable Wendell, Wendell was about to put his hand up and, and instead of challenging pointed, the yeah. shot he pointed at his feet mm-hmm. um, hand down man down RJ they uh, they go up one we go down RJ gets fouled hits both free throws we go up one Duke goes down Mark Williams gets fouled and misses, misses both, both. Misses both free throws. I hate that for the kid. Oh. We're, and we're up one. We go down. Hey, Coach K doesn't want to throw anyone under the bus. But if Mark yeah. Williams made both of his free throws. <laughs> <laughs> and then Caleb Love did it again. Stomps on Coach K. He, Mark Williams almost blocked that shot. I saw like a, a slow-mo of it. He almost had his fingertips yeah. on the ball. Yeah. Um, hit the three. We go up four. Um, they and get then a quick Keels comes down quick two. Um, but then Caleb gets the ball quickly in his hands. He goes down, hits both buckets, and then you have a a, a wild sequence. Ultimately, Keels misses a three point shot. RJ re- gets rebound. the rebound. By the way, RJ we, Davis we, is a ridiculously good rebounding guard for his size. Yeah, yeah. he had a double double yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, um, can, we, can we talk we, really we, quick about the cojones on Caleb Love to take that shot? Well, first of all, the cojones for Leaky Black. Did, did y'all see the screen that he set on Keels? Yeah, that was like that was that was a that would that would have hurt me. That hurt me through the screen a little bit. And then to take that shot and to be inches away from getting blocked by Mark Williams, who's an elite shot blocker. I was going to say, who is a career ender shot blocker? Yeah. Yes. So, and, oh man, just, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And the cojones on Puff Johnson to box out Paolo. Oh my gosh. One free throw. Yeah. Sorry. But foreshadowing a little bit, and even the players in the tournament said this, is that Caleb's just one of those shooters that you live and die by him. And for five games, we lived and we beat Duke 81 77. 81 77. Coach K's career, Dunzo. We sent that man home twice. I have so. two questions about that game slash Duke in general before we move on. Um, first of all, I have a coworker who I was talking to today who said he has some friends who went to Duke. And that they were saying that Coach K 
retired so gracefully. Do y'all agree with that? Huh. Uh, because I, I wish y'all could have seen the, the faces the, that we made. <laughs> I said he retired in the least graceful way possible. Yeah. Like I said, the whole this whole thing, it, it I don't think it would have been nearly as impactful if they didn't do the retirement tour. If yeah. he if he just went through the season and just retired, you, you know, like another coach did, they just walked away. I don't think it would have been half as impactful. But because the, everything was it was made into this spectacle, it, we it gave people a chip on their shoulder to be to be the spoilers, and we became the spoilers twice. Twice. Um, he got him up out of there twice. And, I mean, I don't know about y'all. Like I said, I had no shame. I told it to y'all. Anyone, I, I called my folks and celebrated and stuff. I just, I, I let out a good sob. Because I don't know. It was an extremely cathartic moment because of the buildup of that game. And like I said, you, for over the years, you, you talk about it hypothetically. Like, oh, what, what if Duke... Uh, and Carolina wins, they're like, no, 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 no. If if that happens, whoever wins, it's a trump card. It, you win the rivalry if that happens and such. And you have this whole buildup about it. And then, like I said, I think honest feelings where we thought we could very well lose that game. Um, yeah. And so to come out and talk, that, like that, it was just extremely cathartic. And that so, leads into my other question. Do you think that was the biggest game in the history of the program? I would put it. It is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best game in the history of You're program. Saying, we said, but Aaron said most important. So here's what I'm. Yeah, most important. I think I would put it as the seventh most important game in our in the history of our program. 1957 is pretty important just because that game was on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, 82's pretty important. It's Dean's first. That's Dean's first. 93 is one of the most iconic endings of all time. I think I'd say, I'd say 82. 82 is probably the most important game. What about irrespective of the outcome? Like you just say, we're playing Duke in the final four in coach K's last season. Like, because no, I think, uh, because I think that part of calling something like 1957 or 1982, the biggest game in the history of the program, as compared to something like 2016 or 2008 final, well, not final four, not championship. Cause we've lost in 2008, but, uh, or one of the other years we lost in the championship game is that it's because we won the championship. And I think that the stakes of a game are the stakes regardless of the outcome. Then I would without say 57 question, well, without or, question, or it is the it was the biggest uh, game in the rivalry without question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we'll that's without a question. Um, but it's Aaron, it's up there. For me, it's top two. I I think that it might be like the biggest game in the history of the sport because it's stakes that will never be replicated again. Because even if Carolina and Duke meet again in the final four. It will never be in the situation where it is the guy who is Duke basketball's last season. I was about to say, Coach K is the most important person, or the 
the if we're talking like important as far as like the biggest specter or whatever, Coach K is the biggest person in the rivalry. He's the only one that spans all the coaches. The reason that we talk about Carolina Duke the way it is is because of Coach K's teams. And he let us know they were Coach K's teams. <laughs> Those teams that did not belong to the players. So It's not about him. It's not about him, though. <laughs> so to send him home in the Final Four of his last year, it's it's hard to go. The stakes going into that game did like will never be replicated yeah. because there's nothing have, like this rivalry. You'd have to have 40 years of, of storyline for it to even come close to happening again. And it, it just in this day and age, I just don't see that happening. And, um, and like rubber match and the ability for Duke to wipe the stain of coach K's last game in Cameron being a loss, a bad loss. Like, I feel like this Final Four was, like, that last gasp to salvage. You know, obviously with the championship, but, like, a last chance to sal- – I get Carolina in this rivalry, a, a chance to salvage it. And, like the, the like you said, there's, layer, there's layers to this game with 40 years of history. And even just this – even if you just took this season and used those storylines, it's a huge game, you know? But then you add in the fact that this has never happened and it's in the final four. We never met for an NCAA game, let alone the freaking final four. And for it to be to go to a championship is is massive. So I was on cloud nine when we won. I lost my voice. I still haven't really recovered my voice. Um, Um, Something that I realized was a possibility when they were talking about how Coach K's first loss at Duke was to Carolina is that back in the days of the Big Four tournament, we could have played Duke five times in a season, <laughs> which I think would have taken off many years from my lifespan because we could have played them in the Big Four twice in the regular season in the ACC tournament slash SOCON tournament and in the NCAAs. I mean, I do think given the the continued success and the sustained success of both programs that it, that this is the first time that it's ever happened at all in the NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, there's just, there was just so much going into this game. Um, this is, it will be a game. I think that's forever re- remembered to be quite honest. Um, you know, if, if, if there's probably a documentary, it's coming out soon and it just gives me great joy that I know how that documentary ends. There's a documentary coming out soon, and Adam Lucas is writing a book about this season. So, yeah, like I said, it, it was an extremely emotional environment. And oh, the and we, you you said going back, you said this was the most graceful way to go out. Um, how many players shook our players' hand at the end of that game? I believe that was just Wendell Moore. All the rest of them walked straight back. And now, granted, Kay, Kay, shook, Kay shook everyone's hands. I'll give him that. Um, still, that once again, taking their ball and going home to their dozens of fans uh, <laughs> that greeted them that outside so of Cameron funny. Indoor Stadium. Dozens. That 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 actually does make me feel bad for the kids, though. Like that's that's rough. That that's the, really the, rough. The video of 
the kids walking out of Cameron Indoor after the game, inject that straight into my veins. <laughs> um, That's on the level of the reaction from the Kentucky game. And then two days later, we played in the national championship. <laughs> A game that actually did happen. Um, even though we'll see what the NCAA has to say about that. <laughs> but Ooh. for now, the game did happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... It was one of those games, too. I think all of us were telling each other going into it's like, you know what? The end, the end goal is championships. You want to hang a banner. But for a lot of fans' perspective, Saturday night was every bit as a championship as hanging a banner. Um, I didn't think it was yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. we should hang a banner. Hang so, it. No, what we need like, to do is I, buy I like up that. one of those street signs that we put up that says when we win a national championship in a sport, just put one on 15501 that says Carolina beat Duke twice in Coach K's last year. And we've already said this. There's There will always be chances to play for a national championship. There's only one time you can in Coach K's career. Hang the banner. Do it. I like the Iron Five banner that was that fan edit one. Yeah. I love it. I love it, so, and I want it so bad. So basically, since the Sweet Sixteen, we kind of brought back where it's kind of felt like a house money situation where Kansas has just been chugging right along in the tournament, mostly unfazed. They they had a couple moments. You know, Miami had a, had what a six seven point lead at them on halftime in their Elite Eight game, and they just came out and guns blazing and and. Ended up being yeah, when, when, when we started down seven nothing, I was like, "We're fucked. This game was, is over." I, it was definitely didn't feel well about it, but we were we then started responding. You can tell. I think we definitely started settling in. Um, you know, still was down a little bit, but then what was it, it was twenty two all, and then we scored sixteen unanswered points. Yeah, go into that after half, Coach Davis's dialogue with Tracy. Um, so it was 40, 25 going to half. We're up 15 at halftime, 20 minutes away from that championship. I'm not sure if you could have had a more also, fantastic result. end to the half by Puff. Puff got a, like, that put back. I mean, just could not feel better about the circumstances. Yeah. Um, and then Bill Self made and then they a fantastic the adjustment. Yep. Um, started pressing us, not but not to the level of Baylor, but just enough where you, you have to t- spend – you have to be very intentional about getting across half court, which takes 10 seconds off, which gives you less time to get your set, which leads to bad shots, which leads to just this, uh, just this cycle of you take a bad shot. KU just gives go, does a run out layup scores and just chipped away and chipped away, chipped away. And before we know it, the, the 15 lead point leads gone in under 10 minutes. Um, and we got ourselves. That's the only other thing keeping leaky from, playing in the NBA, his clear weakness, if you press him, he will panic on the inbound. He will run straight to the corner. Like he just stepped right over the line. I, I don't know how the heck he, like, because you can jump. So why didn't he jump and call a time? I mean, I guess because he was already crossing the line, but why didn't he call a timeout? I, I don't understand. Not that sure, was the most but, frustrating part. That uh, or Puff's shot were the most frustrating part of the game. But um, you know, and we just could not get shots to fall. I believe Caleb and RJ ended up 10 of 41 from the field. Well, here's the other thing about pressing. Um, that takes energy out of you breaking that press over and over and over again. 
and we you know coming off of a day's rest of a very draining game you, you lose your legs and when your legs are gone those shots are going to start coming up short like also, literally especially short. when you only play five and a half deep yeah yep. it also doesn't help when you're concussed um it also doesn't help when you're the floorboard flexes beneath your feet and it causes you to roll your ankle it was just I mean, the, it's always sunny theme in the second the, half. The boys, just, everything kept going wrong. They just cut, they got beaten and battered. The first you got Brady getting absolutely rocked in the face in the first. I can't believe minutes. he stayed in the game. And then he did not, he did not know what state he was in. <laughs> like, well, so that that's what my cousin said. But I also think, and I said, how's he making shots if he's concussed? And he said it's muscle memory. And I agree, but not when you can't see the dang basket. Well, I've he saw made, three baskets. I've made shots while concussed before. <laughs> he saw three baskets. You aim for the middle one. Yeah, but have you yeah, made even shots when you're wide when open you too? Just concussed. So, and then he got hit in yeah. the face again. Okay, um, maybe I'm wrong. Do you have that? Uh, Caleb rolled his ankle, and it looked it looked pretty gnarly in the beginning, but then he stayed in. Puff got seemingly elbowed in the stomach and caused him to barf on the court. <laughs> I don't know We've if he really got elbowed. I think he was just gassed i think he was just he could very well i mean as a, someone who ran cross country in middle school you cross the line and you just throw up i know how embarrassed he felt um and then mondo i feel bad but that was so funny it, it, it was so funny <laughs> and then mondo reaggravates his ankle like i said did y'all see that video where the 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 floorboard literally yeah I, I i i'm not really a subscriber to floor key. it does seem like there was a dead spot on the floor there because there were multiple issues at that specific spot but i, I i'm not a subscriber to the floor bending because it happened in that zion video and it seems like that's how floors are made these days like spring year floors are better because they're not like concrete you're not gonna hurt yourself running on them yeah i just i i feel like the bigger point there is just that everything just kept go, like everything that could have kept us in the game just it it immediately yeah. failed I, so like i said we let's just get to come final seconds uh, about the minute 30 or so um kansas center hits a, a hook shot goes up one uh armando goes down they get the ball back, hits another, goes up three. Um, Which also, props to Armando for getting down the court on one leg. Yeah. And props to Kansas for For waiting. stopping play. Yeah, yeah, for stopping play. They very well could have taken advantage of the situation. Um, There's a whole bunch of sequences of missed shots. We get it out of bounds. They inbound it, and they and it was DeWan Harris has his foot on the line, and it's out of bounds. And How do you do that? Four point something seconds left. It's our ball down three. At this point, you can't. Well, rewind a second. So what I think, what I was bringing up before, and I think that it's just inexperience, but I don't know what the heck Puff was doing immediately taking a a contested three. Yeah, I mean, mean, we had 11 seconds. Yeah, I think he just, I think it was just a. I don't think he wanted to get fouled and have to shoot perhaps because i was i was telling carla and um adam took his cursed self over here um having won a game watching with him this year (laughs) so so i was telling adam and carla um i almost want to catch and shoot here just so you don't get fouled yeah 
Um, I mean, but given all that, the ball was in our hands. Um, the de- we, destiny was in our hands, and given all that happened, you couldn't ask for anything more. Ball inbounds cable. It looked like they the the play was designed for Brady, but on nearly that exact same spot, twists his ankle, yeah. falls <laughs> he down, falls down. Everything that could just go can't get wrong up. And went so wrong. Caleb, it was online. It was just short. Um, Kansas wins seventy-two sixty-nine. Ah, uh, nevertheless, did it? Did it? We we bit. won the race to sixty-nine. We, we did, did win. We did. But did it? Did it? Did it hurt a little bit? Yes. Did it hurt to the point where I was like, "Dang it!" Well, I just I can't believe it. Like I, like y'all, I, I said this before. I felt it after the game. I did not expect us to be here. Would it have been nice? Would it have been just an immaculate feeling to bring home a banner? Yes. But we're North freaking Carolina. We will be back. Yeah. There's, um, if, if I don't look at social media, I feel fine. Comment sections are pretty brutal. Um, particularly the fact that we gave up the largest lead in NCAA final history um, in Kansas one. Granted they were the number one seed. We were an eight seed. It, I feel like it would be worse if we, if the, if it was flipped, if we were the one seed, Kansas was the eight and we were up 15 and Kansas came back as eight seed and did it. Um, mm-hmm. But it honestly, it was just that Kansas was playing very uncharacteristic and they played more like Kansas in the second half. In ter- at least in terms of shot making. Um, so you could oh. argue if they played like that, it probably would have been well out of hand. Leaky leaky getting four does not help. Yeah, Puff Puff did what he could. Like, he on the offensive end, he had an explosion, which I did not think he was capable of at this point in time. And it was really helpful. But Leaky getting four did not help. And... I promise you, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like rip him or anything, but like Caleb Love was getting bullied on defense. Like when when Caleb Love was playing defense, he was getting blown by. He overcommitted. He like he was he he looked like he was. I don't want to say that he wasn't all the way there, but I've seen Caleb Love play way better defense. Like he was doing too much. If if Christian Brown wasn't from Kansas, he'd be in a Duke jersey. And I'm I thank God he's from Kansas. <laughs> um, that, he's been nice all year. <laughs> he's low key been been, uh, been doing that to people all year. So there was just like I said, we foreshadowed this. You you live and die by by Caleb's shot making, and it just didn't happen this game again. Combined ten of forty one from the field between Caleb and RJ. If they hit two, two of those shots. If we go twelve for forty-one, we win this game. I and am. I think the only thing that for me that it, it hurts me, like I said, if I don't acknowledge it or, or like I said, look at the comment sections and everything like that, because that's what everybody's saying. You you choked a fifteen-point lead in the national championship. Well, nobody else was playing in the national championship game, so they can screw off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm that, I'm still riding off a of Saturday. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that definitely mitigates it. And and again, for particularly Colby David and I, uh, 2016 gave me diamond plated skin. Yeah, 
So I, this, it, yeah, I, I think it hurt me. I, I tried, I, weirdly enough, like I feel like I tried to be in my feelings and just to, you know, embrace any emotions. That, but I would say mildly bummed is probably the best description of how I felt. Yeah, like I, I was say, particularly I was emotional about it. Or I was orders of magnitude more upset when we lost in 2019 than I was when we lost last night. Yeah, same here. So I, I, yeah. I, as soon as the clock went zero, I was just like, "This, I am so proud of this team." Yeah, yeah. so so proud of this team. Like they, they, they weren't supposed to be here. We lost our t- two very like high minute people like halfway through the season. We lost to Pitt on February sixteenth. We were a bubble yeah. team. And again, it's a it's a testament to our program compared to many. Uh, if it were any other program, it w- it would feel more like a crisis because you're like, when are we ever going back? For us, it's it's a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. Um, and what we have done in the last, uh, Adam Lucas said this in his his final article, what Caroline has done basically in the last month or so, some programs haven't done in the history of their team. Um, Hubert Davis has five wins in the, in the NCAA tournament and one loss and five wins is more than many coaches have. Currently. Many programs have programs have, I mean, and not only that, like just given the level of development that happened to this team over the course of the year, you, again, you beat your arch rival in two of the biggest games in the history of your rivalry, given everything surrounding it. You beat the defending national champion. You beat a Final Four team from the previous season. You beat the uh, the biggest Cinderella in the history of the NCAA tournament. Um, again, that second win over your rival and come up within three points short of winning a national championship against a very good Kansas team. Um, if you told us at the beginning of this season that that's how it was going to go, you, you could definitely find reasons to be proud of it. Especially because there were points during the season where people were not only pressing the panic button on the season, but on Carolina basketball as a program. Yep, absolutely. Even individuals who will remain nameless on this podcast. Uh, I'm not calling anyone out in specific. I'm just bringing it up. Um, but uh, the only thing that makes me fair, and perhaps this is a segue to the, the next conversation, is going forward. Um, Hubert unfortunately set some pretty high standards uh, <laughs> for the rest of his tenure at Carolina basketball. Um, so when we don't go to a Final Four, people, those feelings are going to start creeping back in. Just because yeah, that's true. It, it remains I mean, I extremely that's... difficult to win a championship, let alone go yeah. to a Final Four. Well, and I think that. What he showed, though, is that even when we don't have a Final Four caliber team, is that he can make guys buy in. I would say debatably at a level greater than we ever saw from Coach Williams or Coach Smith. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, we, there's a whole lot of movement. Nothing's set in stone yet. I imagine they're going to have probably some player you know, meetings. Exit inter- player meetings by the end of this week, next week, um, could very well hear, you know, if folks are going to be going to the draft, let it be Caleb or Mondo, even Brady. I think Brady's stock 
has risen enough that he might very well get a, a late second round draft pick. I think he's easily going to get a G League invite. Um, but like I said, he's gone. No matter Especially what. with the defense that he played in the final four in championship game. Yeah. Like um, he could, it, he showed that he could be serviceable. He was more than serviceable on defense, but he showed that he could be serviceable on defense. Shut down y'all's number three overall pick. Yeah. So now a lot of folks, number one pick actually now. Um, and so like I said, whether Caleb or Armando stays, I mean, there's some anticipated transfers. We can probably get into it, 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 it all being speculation. None of it's substantiated, but um, I'm already yeah. looking at the portal. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know that people say that Armando is probably gone, but I honestly feel like he is better suited to stay than Caleb. Yeah. Because just Caleb I, has the skill set. He just needs the consistency, and that's not something that a year in college is going to help with. But I don't really know if Armando has the skill set for the next level. He, he just, I saw someone on Twitter say it, and I think it's accurate, that he is unfortunately very similar to Roy Hibbert. In that he's well, just it, that big. Just oh, I and just says he doesn't have a consistent shot, or at least hasn't yeah. been given the opportunity to, which I say and perhaps I, would, but I, I'm not gonna complain if he comes back and wins yeah. national player of the year next year. So yeah, I mean there's Mondo's a, there's a NBA problem. Mondo's NBA we... problem is that he's two inches too short. Like yeah. if he was like a, a legit seven feet, he'd already be in the league. Yeah, well, yeah, he's he's too big to be a four, and he's way too small. He's way too big to be a four. He's way too small to be a five, yeah. and he's not athletic enough to be a tweener. Um, um, also, something we didn't touch on are the unbelievable stats that Mondo put up this season. He's the only player ever to put up six double doubles in the tournament. Um, he tied the record for most double doubles in a season. He's one of four ACC players to have more than 500 boards in a season and one of three Carolina players to have a thousand boards through three seasons. And, uh, and like I said, especially if he gets that valuation, um, does it seem like I, get, I, I think Mondo at this point would be the most likely to come back to Caleb, but in theory, they both could run it back. And I feel like if they did, I mean, we're, let the whole people let everybody know that we're back up. Um, yeah. Uh, just because now we, we've seen exactly what this team is doing. We might very well have redemption part three, not part two, because 81, 82, 16, 17, 22, 23. I mean, you could also say 0809 to an extent. But yeah, I mean, like I said before the final four, this very clearly, like this really felt to me because of how much of the roster could be in flux based on what happened yesterday and Saturday, like something that could be an 08-09 or 16-17 situation where us losing allowed and or caused a championship run the next year. Because we could run it back with Puff and a transfer replacing Brady and Dawson slash blank. So, yeah, I mean, so you, you have to take him out, Manic. He's not, he can't come back. Yeah. With that in mind, there, and also with our three slash four incoming players, counting Will Shaver, who's already on the team, there's 15 players for 13 spots. So, 
if you count the obvious, if if Caleb and Mondo did leave, then you would have the team as is and no spots for transfer. Is this uh, not counting Dawson? Or is it no, like, this not yet? This is, this, at this point, this is assuming everyone else current that's currently a scholarship player comes, comes back. Okay. But it gets into speculation. Um, of course, we lost Dawson in January um, due to issues with his family. Um, like, so there's nothing concrete or anything. Um, but just given reading tea leaves and trying to read between the lines and just overall fan speculation, it seems likely he will not come back. Yeah. Um, not a surprise, really. Especially if it is a family kind of deal, given you know how everything's been with Pennant. We saw exactly what happened with Walker Kessler when it comes to you how much being away from your family, particularly you know in a, a very stressful time like it is, uh, and mm-hmm. what kind of toll that can have. So it's something you can easily you know recognize. Um, and also, he had flashes, but also struggled. You know, was also coming off of a concussion at the same time that he left the program. Um, so we, so that's someone who's highly uh, speculated to be leaving. Anthony Harris had a personal issue. It's never been confirmed, but most likely it has something to do with his eligibility to play. Um, and that's up in the air. Um, whether he would be quote unquote available to play next year. Um, so that's two. So let's if Caleb and Armando do leave, and then those two leave, that would leave two transfer spots. Or you could then flip it, Caleb Mondo run it back, those two leave, and then you go as is. And you've also got to consider Leaky. Leaky could very well that, and like I said, the 15 is including Leaky. So even if two of them leave and Caleb and Mondo say, you still can keep Leaky. Yeah. Um, but then there are several more, I would say, that it's at least something they're going to consider. Um, I mean, Kerwin Walton, I think, is another person, unfortunately, I think it's just come up where I just don't see them staying at this point. And I, Not a I good don't, fit. I wouldn't blame yeah, him for I, it. I mean, I just think that he, he is a one-shot pony who that one shot was not falling this year. Um, or a one-trick and, pony. And what we needed, we just weren't able to get. And like I said, it just seemed like almost checked out a little bit. I know he is kind of like a more quiet personality and such, but like seeing photos and stuff like that, it just seemed like it was a, a, the vibe was off. Um, so I, I, I think that's possible. Um, DeMarco Dunn, I think, potentially is another one just because of the, the incoming, like at least Dontrez got some burn, Puff got burn, but – DeMarco just never get, really got as many opportunities to come in. Mm-hmm. And well, I think that's Aaron, partially the early season stuff where sure. we weren't able to play a deep bench early in the season, and so they weren't able to develop also, the way that we would expect. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll, that also, DeMarco and Dontrez will benefit from another year and will sure. be able to actually contribute next season. Um, so that's potentially two more. I mean, then you can even start thinking while well, he – He's transferred to us. I feel like Justin McCoy, someone perhaps. I feel like though he's one person where this is this is his hometown team, and such. He, I feel like he is more of like a team first kind of player where he might be frustrated with his role, but this is he doesn't want to be anywhere else at the same time. 
Um, so I, I, I think McCoy will still be on the team. So like I said, you just depending on how things shake out, you could be anywhere from zero transfer opportunities to five open spots for transfers. Um, and it all depends on how that shakes out, what positions you address with those. Uh, naturally, if one of Caleb or Mondo leaves, you either go after the best five in the portal or the best shooting guard in the portal. Mm-hmm. If it if it's more than two, I, I mean, I feel like you also have to go after a four uh, to try to replace Manic's production. I think, given how everything went latter parts of the tournament, I think Puff could very well be the starting four next year. I was going to say, I think that if Puff develops his shot a little bit, he has potential to be a really special player. Well, I think he's going to get on the floor just for hustle and effort alone. Like, yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that you're never going to question whether he's going to dive on the floor for a loose ball, whether he's going to, you know, hustle for an out of bounds ball. Like he, he's going to get playing time and burn because of just how he plays. You know, you also got to work on his conditioning a little bit in the offseason. Just a little though, bit. So we don't have just a hair. that happen again just i mean I, I think it would be a nice secret weapon to you know whatever <laughs> like to have him puke on a guy on the other team every game but i feel like that's something that you don't really want to exploit unless necessary like he didn't go full donovan McNabb, but it was get like he went full was, donovan johnson yeah he did go <laughs> there you go so there's, <laughs> there's a lot of uncertainty overall with how things will shake out but it seems like with – I don't think there's as many players in the portal this year in comparison. Um, I don't know. I haven't had a chance really to look at the overall pool and see, like, is the level of transfer going to be the same as it was last year where you literally had starting caliber players that were just leaving their team for various circumstances, like Brady, like Walker Kessler, like Oscar Tshibwe, things like that. I'm not sure if you're going to have that same caliber player across the board, or at least a, a tier of that kind. Um, so there's definitely a lot of things to address. Um, I, I personally would be all for a, a running it back situation with one or two transfers. Sure. But I think overall, and even looking forward than just this off season, I think next year, I just think it's, it's, especially if one of Mondo or Caleb leave, especially if both leave, I just think next year is going to be a bit of a struggle. It's just hard to replicate and reproduce the the level of output that those two players have when it comes to scoring, when it comes to rebounds, when it comes to the intangibles. Uh, I think we still could end up being a good team, uh, but it definitely won't be an iron five situation. I think, at the very least, we will we'll have more depth, I think, next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that guys. this season was the perfect storm for an IN5 that I don't know if we will ever see again with this program. Hopefully, we don't ever need again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that it was incredibly fun, yeah, but not It, it means you have four or five guys who can score 20 to 25 on a given night. But yeah. Also, I, it's, if one it's of them a lot of fun doesn't, that... you're in trouble. It's a lot of fun when you have four guys that you know that no matter how they combine for it, you're going to get 80 points out of them. But when those are the only four guys on your roster who can score, it's a little scary. So I, so I, I, I think I already have my expectations tempered 
next year. I'd love to be surprised if we go on another run like this, um, but I'm not going to count on it. I think the window opens back up in 2023-24, um, especially if the news that's circulating since last week is true, is that it seems like we are going to win the Gigi Jackson sweepstakes. And it's a roller coaster, up. man. It's a roller coaster of emotion. It was like, it's Duke. It's South Carolina. It's Duke. It's North Carolina. It's Duke. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Well, it seems to be that there, there just there was just a disconnect in, between sources where, you know, the on the message boards, whether you're doing Tar Heel Illustrated, Inside Carolina, uh, you name it, the sources they had that were close to the camp seemed to be like it, it, it has been the Tar Heels virtually the whole time. Maybe there were different fluctuations of how strong, but Carolina really never lost the lead. Um, you can speculate they did maybe to South Carolina. Uh, but once Frank Martin got fired, um, that virtually went away. But if we end up winning this, this will be, it's, it'd be the biggest recruit since Hubert has been hired. I think it's currently Jalen Washington or Seth Trimble, which was when they were just outside the five-star range. This would be first legit bona fide five-star, and they'd be alongside Simeon Wilcher. So you'd have... Most and is he reclassifying or is he not reclassifying? Because I feel like I've seen back and forth buzz on that. Too. The talk was he would only reclassify if he went to South Carolina just because they had a greater need. Um, mm-hmm. North Carolina and Duke were pushing him stay in high school, come as a regular. Yeah, I mean, I feel year. like it is a like because of the way that our program works that barring extreme cases, you're not going to be a starter and get really, really major minutes as a first year that the most of the time it doesn't make sense for someone to reclassify. I, I mean, I feel like he is someone though that could easily take a starting spot from a jump. I encourage you to watch his tape. He's extremely skilled, extremely long, uh, can move really well, very athletic. Um, it's, it'd be a four like we haven't had in a very long time. Um, and in that year, conceivably, we'd have a senior RJ, a senior Puff, Junior Dontrez, Gigi, uh, you know, uh, kind of a top five player, Simeon Wilcher, a top 10 player, and a top two point guard with the rest of the team, depending on how our incoming guys this year develop as well. Um, not only a, a better depth, but also a really good mix of senior leadership and raw talent. I have high hopes for Seth Trimble. I have such high hopes for Seth Trimble. I got high hopes for that dude. I like his moxie. I like yeah. it. He's it, he's definitely one of the he's he's up there with Cole when it comes to an athletic point guard. But I, the the thing is, he does not have the three point shooting like any of the pass guards do. He's definitely a drive to the basket mid range. Takes after his brother, kind of. Um, do not count on him to shoot very many threes God, or, or, or threes that are going to go in but to be fair i mean like if there's anyone in the world who can develop a three-point shot it's our head coach Davis. perhaps i used to three-point shooters in history i just got so many flashbacks to when we were so frustrated every time jp tokoro would pull up for any kind of <laughs> we'd be like why the good why? news is his <laughs> shot looks it 
at least the form of a shot looks infinitely better than JP's in my opinion. Oh my god, JP looks like better. I said, there's it's 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 a legacy that gets inherited through Carolina. And I think I think the most likely person on the team right now to inherit it is Puff, but I think that Puff is better at shooting than any of the previous legacy members because it was Tokido and then it was Theo and then it was Leaky. Yeah. And I mean, so now someone's gotta take up the mantle next year. I mean, I feel like the two that are, you know, the biggest X factors because they could end up coming and just click or whatnot, or just the level of talent or injuries and stuff. Is Tyler Nickel, who's going to be a new wing. He's the all-time scoringest player in Virginia basketball history. You know, the same state that has Oak Hill Academy and a lot of other top-tier basketball schools. Um, averaging over 30 points a game, granted the level of competition that his specific school was is a little bit different. Uh, but you can still play bad talent. But if you have that scores mentality and that kind of drive, he, he, he kind of, he, he's not as quick as him. I don't believe in, I don't think he has the level of athleticism as him, but he, I feel like he has like that. He should not be named Grayson Allen or Christian Brown type moxie to him. Um, mm -hmm. we'll just pull up on fast. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that we have the epitome of a guy with a scorer's mentality on our team in Caleb Love. So, and we've seen how valuable that is to a team. And Jalen Washington is our most likely our five until we get either Mondo coming back or someone from the portal. Um, but he's coming off an ACL injury, but he definitely has uh, good mechanics. He can shoot really well. Um, not sure. I, don't, I think it'd be hard to expect him to have anywhere near the post presence that Mondo has. Maybe it's something that can be developed down the road, but he, he has good size. Um, and so could very well be a really solid piece for us. So overall, I think the depth will be much better next year and going forward. Uh, it just comes down to what will the overall talent and, and output be? Well, game, game time matters. Y'all remember, uh, how soft, perceivably, Armando was his freshman year. Yeah, we would. I would be screaming to for him to go up harder to the basket. But look how far our boys come. Mm -hmm. If he comes yeah. back this year, he's got. He has to be a favorite. The to the on favorite, yeah. Preseason All American, I would think. Preseason unbelievable this player year. of the year. Um, so. There's a, there's a, there'll be a lot of movement. I imagine we'll in the coming weeks we'll probably start looking at possible transfers, who we might be looking at to come in, um, and such. Yeah, well, like I, you said, Maverick, the buzz was that they want to get it done quickly, right? Yes. Well, also think keep in mind last year folks had until June first, I believe, or July first to go to the portal. Actually, it's pretty late. They have until May first. Yep. That's right. So. And also, it's a sort of deal where you have to get in because you, you got to find your spot as quickly as possible. Um, so I think, though, there's definitely going to be a lot more urgency across the board with the overall movement and, and the decisions people make. So it'll be a lot to come mm -hmm. in the coming days. But I think regardless, the future is pretty dang bright for Carolina basketball. It might seem a little cloudy at the moment. Uh, given the result of the national championship game, uh, 
but again, we're Carolina basketball. We'll be back. And never make varsity will be back at some point. I'm not going to say when our next episode is because I don't know when it's going to be. So thank y'all for listening with us during this uh, football and basketball season. I'm not saying we're taking a three-month-long break, but I am saying I don't know when we will talk to y'all again. So there's some NBA stuff happening at some point. We'll talk about that. (laughs) But until then. Go Heels. Go Heels.